We have waited all season long, but playoff hockey is here. It got started last night. It continues tonight. We'll recap last night's activity and preview tonight's and so much more. Episode 131 of the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Let's go. Best time of the year, playoff hockey, and we get a chance to enjoy all of it. Kyle Gamard here, the host of Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Thank you so much, by the way, for tuning in and uh, listening to the show today. If you want to give us a follow online at ST Hockey Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, uh, just search the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, anchor.com. Uh, we post everything online, and I've got a uh, brand new piece out for the hockey writers involving the Vancouver Canucks and why the season actually wasn't necessarily a failure and shouldn't be looked that way regarding the coaching staff, the culture change, the, the core players. Uh, it's funny, I made a mistake on it. My buddy actually just texted me today. He said, hey, Jason Dickinson actually makes 265 instead of 3-5. And I'm like, ah, damn, someone's going to call me out. And there you have it. So uh, we're not going to go over the last week of the regular season. Um, we already know. Who led the league in goals, who led the league in points, who led the league in save percentage, goals against average, all that stuff. We already know all that. It's all posted. Matthews is the Rocket Richard winner. McDavid led the league in points. Huberto led the league in assists. You know, we know the goaltending leaders as well. And then all the actual awards, all the, the nominations will come out at some point. We'll know the finalists for the Hart Trophy. We'll know the finalists for the uh, for the Vesna Trophy. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to know all those at some point, but... Playoff hockey kicked off, and and this is what I want to talk. I want to talk about all the matchups that just took place. I want to preview all the games going on tonight. Who I was right about, who I was wrong about, who I was surprised about, who I was disappointed in. So all we're gonna do all that today and and go over it. And there were a few games on last night, and you know what? We're just gonna get it out of the way. I want to start with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the Tampa Bay Lightning. And in case you didn't understand the crowd that was in attendance for that game, it's the first series Toronto has hosted since 2004, the last series they actually won when they played the Ottawa Senators. This was the atmosphere at Scotiabank Arena. Tied up with the official, that's off Hinton. And here's Camp racing in. He's in alone. Scores! Short-handed David Camp. Leafs in game one make a statement routing the Tampa Bay Lightning by a score of five to nothing. I uh, just want to note as well, Kyle Clifford in this game, like four minutes into the contest, received a five, a 10, and a game misconduct for boarding Tampa Bay forward Ross Colton. That kind of set the stage, thinking that maybe Tampa Bay would take an early lead. Toronto then kills that off. They go on to score afterwards, shortly after, and they just kind of route their way to a victory. Five to nothing. And here's what I'll say. So I'm going to break this down in just a second. But after the game, right, everyone was talking about Sheldon Keefe, the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, said that the, the crowd was the first star of the game. It was electric. We'll talk about Marners and Matthews in a second. But after the game, head coach John Cooper of Tampa Bay was asked, you know, are you were you surprised by how fast and how hard Toronto came out tonight? Do you think that that was the reason? This is what he had to say. Anything surprising about the Maple Leafs play tonight? Uh, no, not really. I didn't, I, I'm not so sure the Maple Leafs had to play particularly well to beat us tonight. So it was, uh, it wouldn't 
you've got to win four. You, know, you don't want to give teams any freebies, and we probably gave him a little bit of a freebie tonight. Someone asked if he was surprised by how Toronto came out and if that was, you know, what propelled them to victory. He said, no, not really. And and I, I'm seeing a lot of people this morning and this afternoon, you know, talking about, oh, he's taking a dig at the Leafs. Listen to what he has to say here. He says, no, I don't think the Leafs had to play particularly well to beat us tonight. Again, he said, no, I don't think the Leafs had to play particularly well to beat us tonight. He's not saying that the Leafs played poorly. He's saying his team sucked. He said he was probably sitting there being like, anyone could have probably beaten us tonight. A lot of people I'm seeing out of it saying that that was probably one of Tampa Bay's worst games of the season. And it couldn't have come at a worse time, of course, kicking off the playoffs. They were rolling at the end of the regular season. They lost one game to Columbus. But they had come back against the Islanders. At one point, they won like seven or eight straight. Like they were just cruising teams. Apparently, over the last stretch of April, they had won... I think five or six games by six or more goals in the back half of April alone, they were scoring the most. I think Stamkos had 26 points in his last nine games. Kucherov had 23. So, like, they were rolling. And John Cooper said, no, the Leafs didn't have to play particularly well to beat us tonight. Had nothing to do with the Leafs. Because Tampa didn't play well. And I kind of agree when you really think about it. Tampa Bay, two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. 24 shots on that. Toronto had 33. And Tampa Bay started the game off with a five-minute power play, which was outshot by Toronto 3-2 to two in that span. There were more scoring chances for Toronto's penalty kill than Tampa Bay's power play. It's everything you needed to know about the game. And of course... I think the Leafs are giddy, they're excited, they know that they've disappointed in first rounds before, and you wanted to make a statement game one. You didn't want to, it was more important for Toronto to win game one than it was for Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay could afford to lose game one more than Toronto could. Because immediately, one is the road team, you take away home ice advantage at that point, because then you go into game two, if Toronto wins it, well it's tied at one going into Tampa Bay. But if you look at it from Toronto's perspective, right, you lose game one. Momentum's gone. Thoughts start creeping into your heads. It was more important for Toronto to have a game like this than for Tampa Bay. Because everyone today is like, wow, kind of surprised Toronto played that well. Or, wow, kind of surprised Tampa Bay didn't play that well. Vice versa the roles for a second. If Tampa Bay wins 5 nothing last night, it's panic mode in Toronto. Tampa Bay's like, yup, that's what you get. We're the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. Like, that would have made... If you had told me, take away the teams. If you said, hey, from the game last night between Tampa-Toronto, the winning team won 5-0. Would you have bet Toronto? Because I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. I would have bet the more experienced, the been there before... On the road, make a statement, game one, Tampa Bay Lightning to come out, shot out of a cannon, and shut down the Leafs as they are nervous, giddy, maybe a little jittery, and they don't have exactly that. I would have put, if I'm a betting man, I would have put my money on Tampa. If you didn't tell me the two teams and you said the game was 5 nothing, who do you think won? 
But that's just me, though. That, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I think in that one. Moving forward, it is the most obvious statement that I have seen all day today. Expect Tampa Bay to have a better game in game two. I hope so. <laughs> Tampa's probably going to score a goal in game two. Let's just, let's start with there. Tampa Bay is probably going to put the puck behind Jack Campbell at some point tomorrow night for game two. It's going to happen. They're probably going to get more than 24 shots on net. They're also probably not going to have six power play opportunities, and neither are Toronto. <laughs> so Sid Sixera posted, any Leaf fan that's writing off Tampa Bay is an idiot. I, I don't think anyone's writing off Tampa Bay. If anything, it's the opposite narrative. I think everybody today is coming on their platforms and saying, expect a better effort from Tampa Bay. Well, obviously, obviously you're going to expect. You think that that's going to be Tampa Bay's best game? It was arguably the worst game. According to, I think it was a stat that dates back to the 70s. It was Tampa's worst loss in a playoff game since like the 70s. It's the worst career start for Andre Vasilevsky. And it's a game where Tampa Bay doesn't get shut out all that often in the playoffs. And neither Kucherov or Point or Stamkos even got on the scoreboard. Stamkos had a chance, or I think in the second period at some point, he whiffed on a one-time opportunity. Obviously, Tampa's going to come out hungrier tomorrow. That's a given fact. You don't need to be an expert in hockey or an expert in sports in any way, shape, or form to be like, oh, they kind of got embarrassed. They're probably going to come out and play harder tomorrow. Well, yeah, no shit. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Like, that's an obvious, that's what's obviously going to happen. My takeaway from the game was, when was the last time Toronto won a playoff game to that extent? Like, when was the last time you watched a Toronto playoff game and by the second period, you're like, oh, they got this. They were playing that well. Tampa Bay had a power play halfway through the second period at one point and they had eight total shots on Jack Campbell. I cannot remember the last time Toronto had that dominant of a victory. You could say yes, last year against the Montreal Canadiens and what was it, game four when they won four nothing? I don't know. It's different circumstances. This just, it at home, energy in the building. This was a very important game one win for Toronto's mentality. Austin Matthews and Mitch Marr both had more goals in this game alone than they did combined all last series against Montreal. And they played seven games. They scored one goal combined in seven games last, last playoffs. They scored three in this one. Marner scores his first in 18 playoff games. I also don't buy that narrative. Like, oh, the drought. Like, Marner finished with like 97 points in the season. You think he's thinking about a drought from a year ago? I, I don't know. I would. It didn't look like he did. He was dancing. He was moving. He was passing. He was shooting. He, was, he had a great game. So did Matthews. Um, yeah, Tampa's going to come out obviously harder and, and play a lot better game too. I want to see how Toronto responds and see if they can take a punch back. Because Toronto landed the first punch. So Tampa's going to swing tomorrow. If Toronto can shoulder it and still find a way to win game two, that's when you know that they can... That's when you have to feel a little differently. Now, this is... <laughs> it's far from over. All the cliches. Throw it in there. Seven-game series. you got to win four games. But that was... 
it couldn't have been a worse combination for as bad of a performance Tampa Bay put out as well as as good of a performance Toronto put out. Tampa's going to come in swinging tomorrow. Toronto's got to get ready, try and take that 2-0 lead. Tampa's going to want to even that thing up and head back to Tampa tied at 1. We will see. It's easily one of my mo- it's one of my favorite series. It's just it's the two most high-powered teams and they are they it was it's going to be a slugfest. I'm excited for more to come. All right, let's move on to the other Canadian matchup. And this is a matchup that this is the one I said the team should win, but it wouldn't surprise me if if LA comes out on top of this. The LA Kings and Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton dropping game one, four to three to the LA Kings on a goal by Philip Deneau, a, a guy who shut down the competition last year and was crucial in Montreal going to the finals. And it starts with a gaff behind the net from Mike Smith. Mike Smith afterwards came out and said, I was trying to do too much, trying to make a play. And unfortunately, it, it, it ended up costing us the game and into the back of the net. Just move on from it, get ready for game two. He's saying all the right things. Here's my concern with you. One, I still think the Oilers are winning this series. I know. So I've said on other podcasts that I, if, if these two teams play each other, that I'd pick the Kings. And for, for obviously, here's, here's why Edmonton should be the favorite and should win this series. Drew Doughty is not playing for the Kings. He's out. He had surgery. He's out for the rest of the season. So the Kings already don't have him. The Kings, not sputtered, but they 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 took a little bit longer to secure that spot. They started losing a few games towards the end of the season. Really struggled finally getting the three seed in the Pacific Division. Edmonton is healthy. They got all their guys. No one's, no one's got a major injury going on. They were playing hot going into the playoffs too. They also have home ice advantage. I didn't even think about this before, but matchup-wise, this is not a good matchup for Edmonton. Who would you say two of the better defensive centers in the league are? Right, you got Bergeron. Right, you've always had like Deneau, who's a part of the Kings. You could argue Matthews because he's had fairly solid defensive play, but like the Bergerons and the Ryan O'Reillys, guys like that. Right, you know who else has gotten Selkie votes? Anze Kopitar. So the matchup is McDavid Dreisaitl versus Anze Kopitar and Philip Deneau. Well, Philip Deneau, all he did was shut down the best players from every team going in leading up to the Stanley Cup Finals. Marner Matthews and then Tavares got hurt, but Marner Matthews shut down. Then they moved on and they played the uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Shifley, Wheeler, shut down. Oh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, Mark Stone, Marcia Sopatchetti, shut down. It wasn't until the finals that they ran out of gas. But that's the matchup the Kings are going to play. The Kings are going to try and shut down McDavid Dreis because it, that's it, that's the team. Like you and that's the same thing you you could argue about Toronto. Same thing you could argue about Boston. Boston, it's it's Bergeron, it's Pasternak, and it's Marchand. Toronto, it's it's Marner, it's Matthews, it's Tavares, Nylander. Right in Edmonton, it's McDavid, it's Dreisaitl. You could throw in a Vander Kane if you want as well. But it's McDavid Dreisaitl. That's 
that's the goal for, for the Kings. The Kings are go, if we just limit those two, if we just focus all our energy on those two guys and make the rest of the team beat us, they like their chances. And I get why. Here's the scary thing if I'm an Oilers fan today. Both McDavid and Dreisaitl scored. He had a goal and assist from Yamamoto. Mike Smith looked solid for the most part in that game. And they still lost. That's the part that I'd be frustrated about. The record this year, Edmonton's record, when McDavid and Dreisaitl both score in a game, is abs- uh, some absurd. And by the way, I, can we not discredit right now McDavid's highlight reel end-to-end five-on-five goal when Edmonton desperately needed a guy to score? McDavid takes the puck in his own end, goes, give me the puck, here. And Barry, get off of it. Move for a second. And he just rolls in and buries the goal. To cut the lead to 2-1, it would eventually tie it at 2. But, like, that goal was gross. Who did he take it from? Sorry, Donnell Nurse. He, took, he takes it from Nurse. The speed where he just, I think he freezes like Edler or something, and it's just ludicrous that a human being can do those things. And McDavid just dances his way and and gets the game going. Five-on-five goal. My other concern with the Oilers, two of the three goals came on the power play. Yeah. You cannot count on power play goals to win you playoff games. Like every category, every category, Edmonton, outside of faceoffs, but the faceoffs were 33 32 Kings. Power plays, two for four Oilers. Hits, 40 to 38 Oilers. Shots, 39 35 Oilers. Like they, they out everythinged the Kings and they still lost. That would be my issue if I'm an Oilers fan today. That's what I would be upset about. Wouldn't be if I if if they got railed. Kings outshot them forty to to twenty eight, right? They won like four one or five two, and you're just like ah, just it was a bad game for the Oilers. You can bounce back and up, but you did outplay them. You did outchance them. You did outdo this, and they still didn't win. Now I think over a long series. Eventually, those start going Edmonton's way. But man, the games where you have both McDavid and Dreisaitl scoring, you go two for four in the power play, outshoot, outhit the opposing team. God, you love to win those ones. And that's what I think hurts the most is the fact that they didn't win it. And it's Mike Smith trying to do too much in net. Dude, you've got two of the most creative and and brilliant offensive players on the planet on your team. You've got solid puck-moving defensemen and Darnell Nurse, who, by the way, I think only played like 20 minutes last night, which is absurd because he averaged like 25, 26 minutes. Yeah, he played 20 minutes last night. McDavid played 25-33. The next closest guy was the Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, Dreisaitl, and McDavid. They're the horses that are going to ride there. But they all played more than Darnell Nurse. You have to put Darnell Nurse on the ice more. You have to. I didn't understand why he wasn't on the ice more. But nevertheless, I still think Edmonton can come out. But man, a home you, a home game, McDavid and Dreisaitl both score. You outshoot, outhit, and outpower play your opponent. And they still 
come up short. And and I'm not giving enough credit, by the way, to the LA Kings. The LA Kings fought, had a great game. This is what I love too. So two of the players that had the biggest impact last night were Sean Dursey and Trevor Moore. Trevor Moore had a goal and two assists. Sean Dursey set up and scored and, and took the shot on the game-winning goal that went off of uh, Phil Denoen in the net. Do you remember the trade the Toronto Maple Leafs made with the LA Kings? They made a couple trades. Where the, essentially, the players that Toronto got included Jake Muzzin and Jack Campbell. And the two big players that the Kings got were Trevor Moore and Sean Dursey. Sean Dursey was the up-and-coming right-hand shot defenseman that everyone was pretty pumped about. Well, Sean Dursey's basically filling in the role right now of Drew Doughty to an extent. He's played nearly 20 minutes a night. He's he's a baby. He's 23 years old. He had an assist last night. Played 18-49. Trevor Moore had a goal and two assists, was a plus three, had five shots on net, five hits, and played 18 minutes and 47 seconds. He also had a block. It's a rare instance where I think both fan bases are genuinely happy with their return on a trade. It's it does not hop, it doesn't happen that often. But Toronto's pretty excited about the fact because Jake Muzzin is playing and he played well last night and Jack Campbell's the starting goalie in Toronto. And on the other end, and Kyle Clifford played, but he got he got ejected five minutes in. He also, by the way, has a hearing today too, which I was, I was going to mention a little bit later on. And then Trevor Moore, who really niched himself this year, 48 points in 81 games, nearly 20 goals, averaged over 15 and a half minutes on the ice. And Sean Dursey, like I mentioned, who played... Um, like 1936 per game, had 27 points in 64 games. I think both teams are really happy with their outcomes. So it's it's really nice to see and a huge kudos to both fan bases, I think for realizing this and being happy with what they got and not being like, oh, I wish we had Jake Muzzin. Oh, I wish we had Trevor Moore. I think both teams are happy with, with the outcomes that they got. Another point I want to just quickly mention, this is the time of year this is, the, this is the time of year and the reason as to why you pay guys Philip Deneau $6.5 million a year. Goal and assist, plus three, one shot, three blocks, 22 minutes and 45 seconds time on ice. Everyone was like, ah, it's a lot of money for Philip Deneau. Who, by the way, also had a really good season this year. He hit the 20-goal mark. He had 27 goals and 24 assists for 51 points in 79 games. <laughs> He played over 18 minutes a night. He won 54% of his face-offs. This is why you pay a guy this much money. These are the games and these are the playoffs because, because the Kings go up against the Oilers who have two of the top five players on the planet and you go, okay, we're paying you $6.5 million. Help us shut down these guys. I think they did a great job last night. Good on the Kings. Uh, we'll see how that one goes up moving forward. Game two tomorrow as well. All right, let's move on. Next series here, I quickly want to mention uh, the St. Louis Blues and the Minnesota Wild. We'll stay in the West here. We'll come back to these in a second. I don't have audio from this one. I like having audio from the... Uh, <laughs> I like the audio from, from home teams, and I know I played one from the road team there, but that's a goal with five minutes left. But last night, a team that I picked that I thought was going to be a really good team in the playoffs and a tough out was the Minnesota Wild. This is one that I was wrong about. I think I was right about the Edmonton LA Kings so far. But this is what I was wrong about so far. St. Louis, Louis flexed their muscle and showed their experience last night. 
4-0 victory over the hands of the Minnesota Wild. You know, it's funny. Every time I looked in this game, it was like it's like St. Louis is on a power play. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, they're just always on a power play. They went 2-for-6 in the power play. But Minnesota went 0-for-6. When you think, by the way, of, of St. Louis, Minnesota, what do you think? Heavy, physical, rough. Hits were 23-22 for Minnesota. 23-22. You know what game had more hits in it? Toronto-Tampa. Toronto alone had 36 hits. By the way, Tampa Bay had 56, which is absurd. Let me put it this way. Tampa Bay had more hits alone than both St. Louis and Minnesota had combined. Combined. Also want to point out, Vili Huso, who came in as the backup goaltender this year, started 40 games, went 25-7-6, or 25-7-8, with a 2-5-6 goals against 9-19 save percentage, makes 37 saves for his first shutout in his first start of the playoffs this year. David Perron, three goals and an assist. Ryan O'Reilly, goal and assist. Tori Krug, three assists. Marc-Andre Fleury, four goals against on 31 shots. No goals from anyone else. Uh, Jared Spurgeon, by the way, I'm not going to be surprised if he faced any disciplinary um, hearing or any sort of penalty for his cross-check late in the game on, I believe it's Pavel Buchnevich or Ivan Barbashev. It's one of the two, but they're both down. It's 4-0 at this point. And as, I think it's Buchnevich, but he's turning over and Spurgeon takes his stick and cross-checks him. It looks like he's trying to get him in the calf or in the bottom of the leg at some point in the Achilles or around the knee, but he gives him a hard check out of frustration. And I get it. You're the home team. You have all this hype, anticipation. You go in and you're getting mopped for nothing. By the way, this is the type of game that I could have expected from Tampa Toronto. Tampa to come in and win like 3-4-0 and really quiet everything. That's what St. Louis did in this game. Jared Spurgeon, out of frustration, slams his stick down on on the back of, again, I'm going to go Buchnevich. But just uh, frustrating. I would not be surprised if there is a discipline um, hearing on this. And if Jared Spurgeon is fined or suspended or whatever, it's a super dangerous play. It's not a hockey move at all. It is a straight cross check to the back of the knee with both of them down on the ice too. So not a fun play, but... Again, this is a series that I was like, I I didn't know how I felt about St. Louis because St. Louis kind of flamed out the last couple of playoffs after their Stanley Cup win. And I was just like, I don't know, Minnesota's got a little bit of new life. They've got new guys. They've got a superstar in Kaprizov. And, you know, they've got Marc-Andre Fleury. They've got a really good defensive core. They're a very tough team to play against. And I just think it did not go their way. I think they got frustrated like crazy and... I could be, that could be the series I'm very wrong about. And St. Louis comes in and I had a buddy warn me about this. He said, dude, Minnesota's that team that you want to take, you want to root for in the playoffs and you want to put your money on because he's a betting man. And I put my money on him and they came out and they disappointed. So I don't know. It's, it wasn't a good start for them and maybe they turn around, even that thing up. But it's when you're the home team, it's like the last thing you want to have happen to you is you fall behind one, nothing in a series especially on opening day. You know what I mean? Like today, there's going to be some games that go on. There's four games that go on. If Pittsburgh beats the Rangers, 
it's that's going to be a long, hard series, right? If, if Washington comes in and beats Florida, it's a long, hard series. It's the second day. You never want to fall behind one nothing, but it's the second day. Like that's opening night. Everyone's watching you, but I'm going to be very intrigued to see moving forward how Minnesota responds in this one. And if this is a series I could be wrong on. Because St. Louis is a team that has done this before. And is like, you know what? We've lost the last couple of years. We don't want to have that happen again. I think their goaltending, they had a little bit of goaltending issue the last couple of years with Bennington as well. And I think Huso has just been sensational for this team. And that's what St. Louis needs. They don't need a loud goalie who's trying to fight everybody and swing their stick. They just need a goalie who comes in there and kind of quietly does his job and doesn't bring attention onto themselves and allow St. Louis to play the, the way that St. Louis wants to play. So... Maybe I'm wrong on that one. Maybe not. We'll see. The final series we will get to here, the Boston Bruins and Carolina Hurricanes. And Carolina, easily the most electric crowd from last night. And it's no it's no shame to Toronto, to Minnesota, or to Edmonton. But you listen to this crowd on this opening goal by Seth Jarvis. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Aho, Aho, back to the point. Work to Slavin. History, they score! Youngster tips home a shot from Jacob Slavin. They would go up 2-0. Taylor Hall would cut into the lead at 2-1. They would then score later on a goal by Timu Teravainen. Vincent Trocek scores. And then, of course, um, Andrei Svechnikov would make it 5-1. Anti-Ranta in this game early on in the period was sensational, specifically in the first period. The first period shots on goal. Boston had 14. Now, Carolina did eventually claw their way back and have 10, but man, I think secretly this is the last matchup that Boston wanted. I think I think truly and wholeheartedly, you'd never admit it because you never want to pick your opponents because it's bad, it's bad juju, it's bad karma. But I think Boston fans are like, man, we really wanted to play Toronto over, over Carolina. And I think strictly for the mentality reasons. Because Carolina is a tough out. But going into this game, Frederick Anderson, the starting goaltender who's probably going to be up for the Vesna this year, out. He's out due to injury. And I feel so bad for him because last year with Toronto, he was also out due to injury. Jack Campbell went in, played. He ended up playing the entire series for Toronto and essentially got pushed out, goes to Carolina, has a Vesna type season and anti-Ranta, I mean, just unfortunate injuries, but anti-Ranta comes in and this is why Carolina signed two guys and Antiranta comes in and is sensational in game one. He makes 35 saves in this one. And I just... I think Carolina's got to be the toughest toughest out in these playoffs. I'm going to say it. Take out Tampa Bay. Take out Calgary. Take out Colorado. Whoever you want to pick. Florida even too. There is a reason that the Carolina Hurricanes had one of the best goal differentials in the league and had the least amount of goals against. They surrendered 202, scored 278. It's a plus differential of plus 76. Florida had a plus 94, but Florida gave up 44 more goals than them. Carolina doesn't need to score a whole lot of goals to beat you. They're just good defensively and they're really good in net. The 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 only better goal differential Outside of Florida is Colorado at plus 78 and Calgary at plus 85. Calgary, by the way, is the second lowest goals against with 208. 
But I think Carolina played better competition. They will continue to play better competition in the playoffs. I think they're, they are the toughest out in this entire playoffs. And that's the performance you got from anti-Ranta. Now, if I'm Boston here, I kind of feel for Boston. This is not the matchup they wanted. They did not want to play the Carolina Hurricanes. I, I'm sorry. You outshot Carolina. If I'm Boston, I'm looking back at this game. You outshot Carolina 36-24. You outshot them in every period. 14-10, 11-9, Carolina won more faceoffs. You each had three power plays. 48-42 were the hits. There were 90 hits in this game. And you lost 5-1. This is this was the game. Boston, I feel like, is the most the most Boston thing that would have happened. If all the if all the road teams to go into the home barn and come up with the win, I would have predicted Boston. I, would, I think I bet on Carolina just because I know how good of a team Carolina was, and I knew that Anti Ranto was back and he was playing. Because Carolina was playing with like a third string goaltender for the last. I would say week and a half of the regular season. But Boston just seemed like the team to come in to come into an away building and steal a game from you. I feel like that's what Boston would have done. And that's exactly what that they did everything they could have. They outshot, they were they equaled the hitting, they had great scoring chances. And then Carolina scores two. You get back in the third period, and five minutes later, Teravinen, then Trocek, and then Svechnikov a minute later. God, if I'm a Boston fan, this is the game I look at and I go, ah, oh, if we could have just won this game. Because yes, Carolina won, but I do not think Carolina is thrilled about how they played. They're going to look at the shots. They're going to look at the chances they gave up. They're going to give a lot of credit to Antiranta, and they're going to be like, we are going to play better in front of him. And I think Carolina is going to come out. And they're going to play even harder. I don't. Th- I think. I don't think it's going to be more of like a, oh, they're going to come out and win eight nothing. But I think Carolina is going to come out and they're going to try and outplay Boston next time. I really do. Carolina is not used to being outshot, especially by a significant margin. 36-24 were the shots. I do not think they're used to it. And I do not think they like being used to it. They are a team that controlled play. They are heavy. They are tough to play against. And they still found a way to win despite being outshot. That is how good of a defensive team that they are. And goaltending-wise, they play such a good they play such a good system. Rod Brindamore, the coaching staff there, have just done such, literally since the dude took over, they have been one of the hardest teams to play against, one of the best defensive teams in all of hockey. Man, are they going to be a tough out. For Boston, that is a tough loss, and you got to find a way to get game two. You got to find a way to get game two. They can still lose game two, come back, and win their two at home, because Boston is a nightmare to play in, in Boston, but... That's a tough loss for them. We'll see how that goes. Game two, I believe, uh, tomorrow, uh, Wednesday night. All right, quick preview of all the games happening tonight, and then we will head on out of here. So let's start Pittsburgh, New York. I've got New York in this series. I've got New York tonight, actually. I'm betting on New York. I just think that building one's going to be rocking. Pittsburgh in the playoffs the last few years, they were always a team... Up until their last, their back-to-back cups in like, what was it, 16-17 or 17-18 or what? No, 16-17 because 18 was Washington, 19 was St. Louis. 16-17, 
they were the years where like you were slowly starting to be like, I don't know. I don't know if Pittsburgh could do it. And then like you'd bet against them and then they ended up going to the finals and winning back-to-back cups. But then the last few years, everyone's like, all right, can't bet against Pittsburgh. Can't bet against Pittsburgh. Can't bet against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's gone out to the Islanders. The Islanders again. And Washington. Washington en route to their cup. And I just, I, I think I think Pittsburgh's had a phenomenal season. But I am going by matchup up front. <laughs> the Rangers have a 50-goal score. I don't know what to tell you, man. Chris Kreider is a 52-goal scorer this year's season. Panarin, very quietly, Artemi Panarin had 86 points. Did you, buy, did you know, by the way, that Mika Zibanejad had 81 points this year? I bet you didn't. Adam Fox had 74 on the back end. Then you've got two 20-goal scorers in Andrew Kopp and Ryan Strom, if you forgot about that as well. Um, Frank Vetrano, Alex, Alexis Lafreniere, 18 and 19 goals apiece. Like, quietly, they've just got pieces up and down the lineup that can scold you. Pittsburgh's got the big guns. They got the Crosbys. They got the Malkins. Uh, Jake Gensel, 40-goal scorer, by the way. Do not want to leave that one out there. Brian Russ had 24 goals a season. Like, it's a good matchup. But to me, it boils down to goaltending. And by the way, Tristan Jari is injured right now, so it's going to be Casey DeSmith, I believe, gets the nod for game one. I'm not 100% sure yet. I'm waiting to see the details. Yeah, Tristan Jari to miss the opening two games. So that was a day ago. So Tristan Jari is out. It will be Casey DeSmith and net for Pittsburgh. And then the Rangers... You probably got the Vesna winner in Igor Shosturkin. 53 games played, 52 starts, 207 goals against, 935 save percentage. MSG is going to be rocking. Uh, I, I got to go Rangers on that one. I really do. Washington, Florida. Going to be a fun series as well. Same thing with Washington. I just feel like their time where they were a, a, a true threat and a contender in the playoffs. I just, I don't. I would buy it more if they played Pittsburgh. Or I'd buy it more if they played the Rangers. You know, I just, I don't buy it as much against Florida. As much as I'm not thrilled with Florida's goaltending in the playoffs, which, by the way, I talked about in this podcast, Sergei Bobrovsky's career playoff stats, he has a sub-900 save percentage. I think it's 898 or 899. And he's got a 3.24, 3.25 goals against average. Career in the playoffs. He is not a playoff performer. Those years in Philadelphia, in Columbus, he just, he was either on teams that weren't the favorites or just, his career numbers aren't spectacular, and he's had a much better bounce back season this year, but I just, I think Florida's going to be a friggin' nightmare for Washington. I don't think it's a great matchup for Washington, so I'm going to go Florida to really, to get things going in this one. Colorado-Nashville. I was really hoping for Nashville-Calgary. I was also hoping that UC Soros was going to be playing, but UC Soros, similarly to Tristan Jari, going to miss the first two games of this series with an injury. Super unfortunate stuff. Calgary, Brent Sutter said it best. Or Daryl Sutter said it best, sorry. It's like, whoever plays Colorado, it's going to be a waste of eight days. And and I, I agree with them. It's exactly how I feel in this one. I think Colorado is prime. They are ready. I think Nashville puts up more of a fight than we think, but I do not see the series going past six games. I think Colorado in six or Colorado in five honestly could be a sweep too, but regardless, the outcome is the same. It's going to be Colorado. The Nashville Predators are going to be starting David Riddick 
in net, I believe. That or Connor Ingram. I don't know. But Dave Riddick played more games. He played 17. He had a 3-5-7 goals against and an 8-8-9 save percentage. Connor Ingram, 3-7-1 goals against average, 8-7-9 save percentage. Just to put it in perspective, UC Soros, by the way, played 67 of the possible 82 games, and he was hurt, so he he would have played 70. Remember all those threes and all those eights? UC Soros, 2-6-4 goals against, 9-18 save percentage. To put it in perspective as to how not elite Nashville's two other goaltenders have been versus how elite Soros is, you could argue Soros is like the MVP. The fact that Nashville is here is solely based off this dude. And I also want to give some kudos to some of the other players. Like the Nashville Predators, the team that has been deprived of scoring since I can remember, had three players score 80-plus points. Philip Forsberg had 42 goals this season and 42 assists. Matt Duchesne had 43 goals and 43 assists. What a bounce-back season for Matt Duchesne. And then, of course, Roman Yossi. 96 points as a defenseman, 23 goals. Mikhail Granlin had 64 points. Um, Ryan Johansson, talk about bounce back, 63 points, 28 goals. Tanner, Tanner Janot, 24 goals on the season. Like this is, I'm not, I'm not just pushing or breezing past the Nashville Predators. And Colorado would be foolish to do so as well. But Colorado is is loaded. This is the, this has been they're they they are all in this year. They are they have re-signed Rantanen, Landis Cog, McKinnon's coming up in a couple years, McCarr's contract kicks in next year. Kadri's probably out the door. You've also got other players on expiring deals that are going to cost a lot of money. I believe that Andre Burakovsky is on a is on a expiring deal. I believe Valerie Nachuchkin is on an expiring deal. Uh, Kyle, those are secondary players. Yeah, Andre Burakovsky had 61 points a season. He's probably going to get a pay raise from his 4.9 million. Valerie Nachuchkin, I think, makes like 2.5 or something like that. Had 52 points a season, 25 goals. He's going to get a pay raise. This is the year. Darcy Kemper played well. They re-signed Pavel Francouz. This is the year Colorado's got to do something in the playoffs. They have kind of disappointed. Now, last year wasn't their fault. Injuries killed them. They were starting Michael Hutchinson in the in the series-deciding game against the Dallas Stars. That was the year Dallas went to the finals. But, man, that was the, yeah, that was the Dallas-Tampa. That was the first of two Stanley Cups for Tampa Bay. So that was two years ago. But this is the year Colorado's got to do it. So, Rannon, McKinnon, all those guys, they're going to come ready to go. I'm expecting Colorado to play hard and win this series. I don't know if it's going to be a sweep because really Nashville's got some boys, but maybe five, maybe six. But if there is a sweep, it, it wouldn't shock me in the slightest. All right. And final series here, Dallas-Calgary. Dallas similarly is coming into the series not with the best momentum. They kind of stumbled their way in. They went 5-3-2 and two over the last 10 games. It was one of those they didn't really seem like anyone wanted that final playoff spot. And then they get to take on the Calgary Flames who are a tough matchup for anybody. But really Dallas is going to go in with Jake Oniger, who I like as a goaltender. 2-5-3 goals against 9-14 save percentage. But like you've only really got a couple guys who can score. Pavelski, Robertson, and Hintz. Kyle, what about Tyler Sagan? He hit 49 points in 81 games. He had 24 goals. 
he makes nine and a half million dollars. Ben makes like eight or eight and a half. Jamie Ben had a worse year at 18 goals and 46 points in 82 games. That's your captain and assistant captain. And you're being led by, what, 37-year-old Joe Pavelski? And then 37-year-old Joe Pavelski, 22-year-old Jason Robertson. Rupe Hintz had a really good season, too. Uh, Rupe Hintz, by the way, 37 goals, low-key. Robertson, 41 goals, low-key. They're just kind of all over with, like, youth and experience. And it's it's an odd balance. And who knows? Maybe this thing clicks and Dallas goes on a miraculous run again. Because playoffs, everything is scrapped. And game one is completely different from the regular season. Sagan could go point per game in the playoffs and all is forgiven in the regular season. But I just, I don't know against Calgary. When Calgary, by the way, you have not one, you have 200-point players on this team. Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk. Kachuk scored 42. Gaudreau scored 40. Lindholm scored 42. Then there's Andrew Mangiapane, who had 35. Oh, yeah, and Tyler Toffoli, who chipped in with 20 this season. Backlund had almost 40 points. You've got past playoff performers like Blake Coleman coming in on this team. And arguably one of my favorite goaltenders in the playoffs, Jacob Markstrom. He's big. His numbers are gross. 222 goals against. 922 save percentage. Good friggin' luck. And that defense is sturdy as a wall. I really like this Calgary team. I get why everyone likes it. It's not a fun matchup for Dallas, and I think Calgary's I think Calgary's going to come out hot tonight. I might see Dallas maybe steal a game at home, but I think Calgary's just too good of a hockey team. They were coming in. I feel like they're, they are really a tight-knit group. They all really seem to like each other, and Dallas is just, I, I don't know, I think they're, they're going into a buzzsaw with this one. Similarly to Colorado, I think it could be a five- or six-game series. There's no way it goes seven, and if there's a sweep, I wouldn't be fully surprised. All right, that does it for today. I'm pumped. Playoff hockey's here. Go enjoy it. Um, be nice online to anyone that you're talking to. Go enjoy your team. Don't go throwing shade at people on, on social media and, and trying to you know stir the pot or anything. Go Just go be happy your team's playing. And if your team's not playing and if you want to root for another team, that's totally fine too. But go enjoy the playoffs. Be respectful. Cheer for your team. Hopefully, we see some great hockey over the next week and a half. I am sure for a fact we are going to. We started off great last night. Let's keep it going moving forward here. Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast, Instagram and Twitter at ST Hockey Podcast, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. My personal accounts at Kyle Grimard. Go enjoy. See you next Tuesday. Until then, that's a wrap. Yeah.